Ladies and gentlemen, it's August 23rd, 2023. You know what that means, right? That means it's a Wednesday. But of course, I'm going to be busy this evening with the Republican primary debate, and I'm actually going to be meeting up with a couple of you to do that. So I won't be able to make the member chat this evening. You're welcome to talk amongst yourselves there, but I won't be able to make it. And so I'm going to record this thing right now, like this moment, and then I'm going to release it so that I don't leave you hanging on a Wednesday because you people are wonderful. I have a work ethic. Obviously, I got to give you something. Not that I mind. I love it. I love this job. And all of you, importantly. August 23rd, 2023 is the current year. We've got some member content for you, but of course not a member chat, because as I said, this evening is the first Republican primary debate, the presidential primary, I should say, and uh, you might have gathered that um, I prefer one political party over the other, so it matters to me who wins. It's very unfortunate that uh, President Trump will not be there this evening, and, you know, We'll see what happens. In any case, there's also some breaking news that just happens as I hit the record button, apparently. Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, who attempted to overthrow the government of Russia, has, shockingly enough, had his life cut short. He has died in a plane crash, apparently. And I don't know a whole lot about it because the story just broke, but RT confirms that he was listed among the passengers of an airplane that just crashed. Some people are saying the Russian defense forces shot it down. Other people are blaming the Ukrainians. Uh, We will never know the truth, of course, but I'm sure that we'll get more information as time moves forward. At the end of Monday's public show, a caller brought up a subject that actually turned out to be pretty interesting. I think the caller framed it poorly because she was talking about what she called NPCs, non-playable characters in video games, and she was telling me that a lot of people don't have what's what's referred to in psychology literature as an internal monologue. And the way that this is described, I'm saying to myself, well, don't tell me that they don't think, right? Like, you know, we can we can find more creative insults for our political opponents. This sounds like a very serious subject, and you know. And so I didn't I had never heard of what the caller was talking about importantly, and when she framed it the way she did, I was like, you know, it, I, the call didn't go very well in any case. And so, uh, but after the show, people brought this to my attention that, like, no, this is a thing. It's not that they don't think. It's not that they're not processing concepts. It's that they're processing them essentially visually, all right? When I, when I think, and I imagine the case is for most of you, I, I imagine anybody who listens to talk radio must have a similar relationship with words that I do. But it might be more intense for me than, than for other people. But if, if whenever I'm thinking about something, I'm hearing myself say it, right? My words, my thoughts are words. And apparently that's not the case for everybody. Other people visualize things. And the, one of the examples that's going to be in this piece that I'm going to read to you from How Stuff Works is 
you know, you think you've got to go buy milk and you say to yourself, you literally say to yourself, you have this voice in your head says, go buy milk. And then you get home and you didn't buy milk and you say to yourself, why did I forget to buy milk? I'm dumb, right? Well, apparently not everybody processes the chore this way. Other people will visualize themselves buying the milk. And I can't imagine that at all. So when when somebody tells me that a person doesn't have an internal monologue, in my mind, this person's telling me that these people don't think. And when you talk about it as NPCs, non-playable characters, which, you know, this was like a political insult that, you know, emerged, right? And so I'm like, you know, we could think of more creative things to say about our political opponents than that they don't think, you know, what are we talking about? But when I started to read this thing, my mind was completely blown by this. And so I'm going to read to you this piece from How Stuff Works, and then we'll talk about that. Have you ever thought about how you think? Do you tell yourself, don't forget the milk before you leave the house, and then when you get home without it at the end of the day, you tell yourself, how could I have been so stupid? Is there a constant talking to self going on throughout the day? A lot of people use language-based chatter to organize and focus their thoughts. However, it turns out that some people don't have this kind of inner monologue at all. Instead, they may rely more on visualization, for instance, seeing themselves buying the milk at the store. Others employ a combination of these techniques. People on both sides of this inner monologue divide have a hard time imagining another way of being, to the point that it has sort of freaked everyone out during an online debate that went viral in February. Now, that's another component of this, of course, that this apparently became a big subject of discussion while I did not have internet access. And, and so I missed this, what was apparently a big internet phenomenon of people talking about this. But I also have a piece from Psychology Today that actually was published in 2011. So the concept isn't new, but I think it gained a lot more attention when I didn't have internet access. It's part of the reason I'm not clued in on this. Russell Hurlbert is a psychology professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. For decades, he's been doing experiments on people's inner experiences, their thoughts, feelings, and sensations regarding the viral kerfuffle over inner speech haves and haves not. I'm sorry, over the inner speech haves and have nots. He chuckles a bit and says he frequently hears people claim that they have an ever-present inner monologue, but his experience shows that this, I'm sorry, his experiments show that this is not always true. But rather than argue with them, he says, well, let's find out. His tests began long ago. As a graduate student in the early 70s, he began wondering how scientists could investigate subjects pristine inner experiences, experiences that are in your present consciousness before your brain has tried to make sense of them or assign them some sort of interpretation. The object of my research is not to explore inner speech or inner monologue or whatever you want to call it, but to explore your experience as it actually is, says Hurlbert. He thought beepers of some kind might work, but back then there were no cell phones or pagers. So Hurlbert, who has an engineering background, designed and patented a device that beeped at irregular intervals. Each time the beeper went off, he asked subjects to make notes about their experiences in that moment. As students went about their days, the beepers would go off at random times. They were instructed to try and clarify what was happening in their minds at that instant. The beepers went off only a few times. That was intentional so that the research subjects would forget that they had them and thus not contaminate their thinking process with thoughts about the experiment. Later, researchers asked the, asked the students 
to better understand how the students were thinking when the beeper sounded. Were they visualizing something, experiencing a tactile sensation, feeling an emotion? This line of inquiry is called descriptive experience sampling, or DES. He says one key takeaway was that you can't expect a good answer on the first day. Essentially, it takes a day or two of DES training before people find ways to focus on and express what they're experiencing in a given moment. In his research, he found that most subjects struggled to articulate the way they were talking to themselves. When he asked them for specific words or sentences, many came up blank. And in the course of doing that, you and I together guess, I guess you would say, we decide, well, I thought I had inner speech, but I really don't. His study showed that subjects talked to themselves inwardly about 26% of the time they were sampled, but many never experienced inner speech while... Uh, Others had it about 75% of the time. The median percentage was 20%. Herbert has worked with other researchers like Charles uh, Fernhio to use DES questioning while subjects were inside MRI scanners. In a 2018 study of just five subjects, the scanner showed that the area of the brain associated with certain topics lit up when subjects said they were thinking about those things, providing an, a physical link to the abstractions of thoughts themselves. Still, scientists are grappling with a great deal of uncertainty. Some research shows that people often use more inner verbalization when they're under pressure. Perhaps they're rehearsing answers to the job interview question, or maybe they're athletes trying to focus. Among people who do report inner monologue, they tend to perceive those voices as their own. That self-talk generally has a familiar pace and tone, although the exact voice might change depending on whether the current scenario is happy, relaxed, or scary. Sometimes they may use whole sentences. Other times they may rely on condensed wordplay that would be meaningless to anyone else. But what causes inner speech? A researcher at the University of British Columbia, Mark Scott, found that there is a brain signal called corollary discharge that helps us distinguish between sensory experiences we create internally versus those from outside stimuli, and this signal plays a big role in internal speech. It also plays a role in how our auditory systems process speech. When we speak, there is an internal copy of the sound of our voice generated at the same time as our speaking voice. As for the online debate regarding inner monologue, Herbert understands that online commenters have taken strong positions on the matter. Some people simply can't imagine not having an inner voice. Others are taken aback by the idea of a constant internal chatter. Half of those people are probably right, and half of them are not right about their own inner monologue characteristics, he says. The main conclusions are, I think that people don't know what's in their own experience. And according to his experiments, level of confidence is not a good predictor of whether or not someone has an active inner monologue. Now, to summarize what's going on here, you know, they do these experiments and they're asking people, Okay, your experience at this moment was this. You're thinking about this. What, what are the words that are going through your head? And some people are coming back like, words through my head? What are you talking about? It's one thing to not remember the words. It's another thing to say that words forming your thoughts is a foreign concept, you see? And so when, when this is being looked at, it's blowing the minds of a lot of people because you know, in their own experience, that's what thought is, right? And that's exactly what I'm thinking when somebody says this to me. And so as I start to look at this, I said, I actually said, somebody brought this up in the, um, the Surreal Politiques Telegram chat. 
And I was like, I want a pill that causes this. And somebody said to me, like, why would you want that? I'm like, the, the, my inner monologue never stops, okay? You, you've heard me say numerous times that I criticize myself, right? And for me, like, my inner monologue is a lot of times it's very unpleasant. Like, you know, my, it's a dialogue sometimes. Like, I, I'm sometimes tempted to I'm, – I'm tempted at times to speak out loud to refute my inner monologue, okay? And it drives me completely nuts. I don't do the things I do because I have, you know, peace and tranquility going through my head, right? I'm I'm driven to the things that I do because I'm uncomfortable with the world. But fundamentally, all of our, you know, whether we're comfortable with the world or not, that's an internal condition, right? And I uh, I am experiencing these discomforts in the form of, unpleasant thoughts in my head and and those are words okay one of the reasons that i love this job one of the reasons that i love doing this is because i get to like channel that energy okay the things that i'm the things that i'm telling you are the things i'm telling myself right and this is an outlet for those energies and i find it not only it's not just that I would like to do this more than other jobs. It's like therapeutic for me, okay? And also that if I'm not if I'm not controlling that voice in my head, right? If I'm not writing, if I'm not speaking, if I'm not listening to you, then that thing just it goes on its own, right? I don't have any capacity to turn this off. One of the things that we were talking about in the in the Telegram chat was that like, this makes sleeping a complete nightmare for me. Like, I can't just decide it's time for bed. That's not that's not the way my life works. Because if I just try to go lay down and go to sleep in the dark, oh, man, is that unpleasant. I'm not going to play it on here because there's curse words in it and stuff. But you want to get an idea of what I'm talking about. A comedian by the name of Doug Stanhope did this bit where he talks about the carnival. If you If you search YouTube for Doug Stanhope, the carnival, you'll see what I'm talking about. And the joke is basically, you ever, you ever try to do this? I tried to do this one time while I was on the road. I, I went to this hotel and, you know, I had, uh, you ever try to go to sleep sober? <laughs> you know, the joke being this guy very rarely goes to sleep sober. And I'm not sure how much of a joke it is because, as you've heard me say, you know, I used to drink a lot. And this is part of why, right? Like, I can't shut this thing off. And a lot of times it's not a pleasant experience. So. You know, for me, like, I would drink myself to sleep at night and stuff, and obviously that caused all manner of other problems. It's not a good idea. It's not a suggestion that I'm making. I'm just telling you about <laughs> my maladapted coping mechanism for the for the problem I'm describing. And so the idea that somebody doesn't have that is a completely foreign concept to me, and I have a lot of trouble dealing with it. But I also kind of jealous of it, if if I'm honest with you. Like I don't, I'm not sure that it would be better because I, you know, one of the things that goes through my head is, would I be better off seeing all of this? I, I'm really not certain. But it's also, it was interesting to me because it made me think about how I think, which is, I've I do a lot of thinking about how I think, but I I had never thought about it on this dimension. Say, I used to work. Um, I used to work in uh, a data center, and then I, from there I went on to like this like low-voltage cabling installation job where I was the project manager. 
And one of the things that I was always terrible at was like estimating distances. I've always been, I can't estimate or I can't estimate like the size of a crowd. I'm very bad at visual estimation, say, which is also kind of weird because when I've taken not, not IQ tests, but like intelligence, uh, it, it doesn't give you an IQ score, but I've taken like intelligence tests online. And one of the dimensions of it is like spatial reasoning. And I do very well with spatial reasoning, like like puzzles and stuff like that. I actually do okay with, but I can't I can't tell you how many feet it is from like one point to another. I'm terrible at that, which is a huge problem when you're when you're in that line of work, right? Then you need to understand, you know, how far the cable has to go. And so, you know, most of the people in this profession they they have you know tools to do this, but. I was completely reliant upon them. Like the idea that I would just eye this out is a completely foreign concept. And I, I get to thinking that maybe this has something to do with it, that, you know, I look at this thing, there's no words, and therefore I have it's, – it's difficult for me to process the thought, you know. I'm a verbal person, and that's probably no surprise to you uh, knowing what I do for a living, but – the idea that somebody doesn't have that inner monologue is scary for one, right? Like, like, you know, you think about there's been discussion of, um, I don't know how much discussion there's been of it, but the concept of reading minds, right? So if I'm thinking, when I, when I con- conceptualize the idea of reading a person's mind, what I'm thinking of is I'd hear that voice in their head. And as a matter of fact, you've probably seen movies where this happens, right? The whole entire idea of, you know, a narrator is, sometimes it's like self-narrated. You're hearing the thoughts in the character's head or whatever, right? My whole conception of thought is wrapped up in this. And then there's like this, you know, non-trivial number of people, what is it, you know, a quarter of the population apparently, just doesn't even have that. And then other people have it, but it's part of their repertoire and not the entirety of their thought. And that's really bizarre to me. So, like, the idea that somebody has a completely different way of thinking to me, that that is like you're a different animal than I am. You know, that's that's a complete, like, I don't know. You know, it, it's it's not even, it's it's a bigger distance in type than language, right? Because, you know, in theory, I could learn your language, and then I'd have thoughts in your, in, my thoughts would be in that language. You know, I tried to... I have at more than one point in my life attempted to learn a foreign language. I used to speak Spanish not very well, but, you know, enough that I could get around. And at the time that I was attempting to learn Spanish, I started thinking in Spanish, right? And it was actually like it was an interesting experience because as I was trying to learn Spanish and I started thinking in Spanish— it limited my thoughts, right? Like I couldn't, it was, it was actually like, I'm sorry I keep on saying like this came up in the, the chat. It's a crutch word, but I'm having trouble sort of describing this. But when I was trying to, when I started trying to learn Spanish, then I started thinking in Spanish. And because my language was not very good, my thinking wasn't very good. And I would have to like consciously switch myself back to English in order to form a coherent thought, right? And so... Again, it's just one more example of what I'm talking about, that my entire conception of thinking is wrapped up in this. The idea that you can read somebody's mind is wrapped up in the idea that you're hearing this internal monologue and the idea that somebody else doesn't have it. It's like, you know, you could think of it as a superpower almost, right? And also just, 
I mean, I have to imagine that somebody who doesn't, somebody who thinks visually, I must think that there, there, there must be unpleasantness that attends to that too. So I shouldn't say, you know, you know, the the old grass is always greener bit or whatever. But the idea that I could turn that thing off is very appealing to me, right? I am hypercritical of myself, and it's probably a good thing because you know it drives me to be better, right? When I when I criticize myself. I try to avoid putting myself in the position that that criticism will have merit, right? I go crazy when I have audio problems, and then I go and I try to buy new equipment. I adjust things. I work very hard, right? And part of the reason that I'm doing that is because I don't want to hear myself call me a piece of garbage, right? <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to give any merit to the to the monster inside my head that tells me I'm no good, right? And that was kind of like the thrust of the whole discussion that we had. On Monday was like, you know, the, the, if you, in case you didn't listen to it, the title of the episode was Authenticity. I think it was episode 23. And I played these clips from NPR where they're talking about this like imposter syndrome. And these people were basically affirmative action recipients who, who are convinced that they have, they, have an, they have an idea in their head that they, they have not earned their positions. And I think that that's probably true. But in their case, they're like, well, instead of trying to improve myself to be worthy of my position, I will blame it on racism and say that I will pathologize the behavior of self-criticism and and say that uh, all of you other people are, are mean. Well, I don't do that. You know, when I deal with the voice in my head that tells me I'm no good, I say, well, I'm going to have to change that. And that was kind of the whole thrust of what I was getting at. But I tell myself that all the time, and it's kind of unpleasant, as a matter of fact, you know. You ever hear me talk about feelings of guilt and stuff like that, like <laughs> things that I things that I've done that I'm not proud of when I'm like a teenager, okay, still haunt me. I'm like, you know, <laughs> if I haven't done anything in the last few months to scream at myself about, I'll go dig through my childhood, right? <laughs> it never ends. And the idea that you could turn that off is very appealing to me. Now, I imagine somebody who visualizes the world may have perhaps a more negative experience, right? To see all these things happening, I'm not sure it would be so much better. But for myself, wow, you know, because I'm, I'm very, my whole, my whole frame of reference is verbal. One of the things I talk about in terms of talk radio is kind of influential for me was when I was still, well, after I stopped working for Free Talk Live, actually, but Free Talk Live, not Free Talk Live, the company, but Mark Edge from Free Talk Live hired me to to do something and well it's actually not directly related but proximate to the time that he hired me to do this voiceover for uh this product um he he produced an advertisement for free talk live for free talk live advertising in any case so to sell ads on free talk live mark edge one of the hosts he produced a commercial which said, talk radio is the most personal of mediums. I'm in your head right now, okay? And so when I think about talk radio, one of the reasons that I believe it's such a powerful medium is because I'm in your head, right? Like, I, I become that voice that is normally processing your thoughts. It's like putting me in the driver's seat of your of your thinking for a little while, you know? And that's that's a... If I'm thinking about it correctly, that's a very powerful position to be in. And 
one of the things that I scream at myself about is that I don't know that I've always used that power very well, frankly, and I'm trying to do a better job today, right? But the idea that some people don't have that inner monologue, well, I can't imagine that talk radio would appeal to them very much, right? Because that would be a completely different – you're just listening to something, and it's a, com- it's a completely different phenomenon from your thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, I guess that's my initial thoughts on this subject. I, I, I'm still – I have trouble even talking about it because I have trouble thinking about it. How can I think about the thing – Without the words, I don't know. Uh, I'll be interested to talk to all of you about this, whether it's uh, on the public show, whether it's on the next member chat, or whether it's on the uncensored production. Uh, you can send me an email, of course, uh, surrealpolitics.com slash contact, ChristopherCantwell.net slash contact. Either way, will get to me. Um, and I'll be back, of course. I appreciate you tuning in for this uh, for this episode. I'm sorry that I can't be there for the member chat this evening, but uh, uh, hopefully you found this stimulating. And we will obviously be back Monday for the uh, Monday for Surreal Politics, Friday for the Uncensored production. And uh, thank you so much for making this production possible. You're welcome to chat amongst yourselves this evening or at any time in the member chat. What I should probably do is it's like surrealpolitics.com slash member dash chat is actually the hyperlink, but maybe I should create something shorter. But you probably have it bookmarked because you go to the thing, you know? But you guys can use that anytime. Like, I don't even have to be there. You guys can go hang out with yourselves, you know? Probably won't be as interesting because I'm a lot of fun to hang out with, but you get the idea. I really appreciate you making this possible. I'll see you soon.